Today's show is brought to you by Laser Away. Labor of Love listeners can save up to 75% on laser services at Laser Away. Go to laserawaycom love now to schedule your free consultation. Today's episode is also brought to you by Texture, the app that lets you tap into the world's most popular magazines anytime, anywhere, using your smartphone or tablet. Start binge reading for free right now when you go to texture.com love. Texture.com love. Welcome to The Labor of Love, a podcast about marriage, family, and making peace with the people we live with. I'm Lori Leibovich, editor of RealSimple.com. Researchers from the University of Illinois recently set out to understand how depression affects romantic relationships. The results highlight just how difficult it is to separate the effects of depression on the individual versus the relationship, and they were published last month in the Journal of Social and Personal Relationships. The 135 participating couples who ranged in age from 20 to 83 had been together as little as six months or as long as 46 years, and they answered the question, in what ways, if any, do feelings of sadness or depression affect your romantic relationship? And though many of the responses dealt with the hardships that mental illness can inflict on a relationship, some answers focused on the ways depression can actually bring couples closer together. Here today to discuss the varying and sometimes surprising ways that depression impacts romantic relationships are Eva Racinos, a freelance writer and social media producer based in Los Angeles, and Kim Zapata, the creator of Sunshine Spoils Milk, a blog dedicated to mental health and motherhood. Hi, Eva. Hi. Thanks for having me. Hey, Kim. Hi, Lori. So both of you have written on the internet about suffering from depression and also the ways in which your illness has has impacted your relationships. Eva, you have a boyfriend. Kim, you're married and have a child. Let's start with you, Eva. Can you talk a little bit about a recent article you wrote where the headline was, Depression has always been the third wheel in my relationship. What did you mean by that? So it's really funny because that headline just, sort of came to me really naturally, which is pretty rare when I'm writing. But I did sort of realize after being in my first long-term relationship, we've been together for three and a half years. We lived together for about a year and a half now. And I realized that my depression was having such a huge impact on our relationship. I just recently started taking medication. It's been about six months. And I go to counseling once a month. I went to group counseling. But even before that, when we first started dating, it just seemed like every good moment that we had, my depression was kind of there as a third wheel, so to speak, saying, okay, let's not get too comfortable. Something bad might happen. He might leave. Maybe he doesn't love you as much as you think. So it just became this really exhausting thing that kept happening. And I realized that I wanted to write about it and I wanted to kind of sort through why that was happening and what I could kind of do to stop some of those really obsessive thoughts from coming into my mind all of the time. So when the obsessive thoughts were coming to you while you were, you know, seemingly enjoying time with your partner, were they thoughts that you were sharing with him or was this sort of an internal dialogue that was just running in the background? 
It was mostly an internal dialogue just because it was so damaging that I wouldn't ever really feel like I could say any of those things to him. I mean, you wouldn't be at an anniversary celebration and say to your partner, well, this is all really nice, but I think we might break up soon, so let's not get comfortable. You know, it wasn't the type of thing that I felt comfortable sharing. And that was also really damaging because then I would just sort of spiral into these really depressive moods and he wouldn't know what was what was wrong specifically. So I had to kind of learn to be a little bit more communicative without hurting him at the same time. Kim, can you talk a little bit about your experience? You were diagnosed with depression when you were quite young and have been with your now husband for a long time. I actually met my husband when we were in seventh grade, so we were both 12 years old. We, we met in art class, and I was the girl who went up to him and said, hey, will you save a dance for me at the Halloween dance? Um, and he did. Um, How old are you now? I'm 32. Okay. So quite a bit of time. <laughs> yeah. So we've known each other 20 years. We we kind of separated, uh, not separated, but, you know, we kind of lost contact after seventh grade for a couple of years. And in that time, my father actually passed away during that time. I went through the, you know, the typical teenage adjustment period. And it was when I was 15 years old, I was actually diagnosed with depression. My husband and I then started dating in our senior year of high school. So we've been together 15 years now and we've been married for eight So the entire time I've actually been dating my husband, I've had depression. He's seen me go in and out of therapy, on and off medications. Um, He's been there through quite a bit of the ups and downs. And then he was also there when I went through a very difficult bout of postpartum depression with my daughter. I was diagnosed with postpartum depression about five months after she was born, And it didn't take me until she was almost a year and a half old to really completely come out of it. Do you feel, as Eva expressed, that the depression is is a third wheel in your marriage? For the most part, yes. In many ways, my depression keeps me from communicating with my husband, much like Eva mentioned, the internal dialogue. Those were, for, for many, many years, those were things I didn't express to my husband, even though he knew I had a history of depression. He knew I, he was very supportive and he, he always wanted to try and help in whatever way he could, but it, it was very much an internal dialogue. So it it became a third wheel in the sense that I would get snappy or short-tempered with him and I, I, w- I would lose patience or I would become upset because he wasn't asking me how I was, but I wouldn't tell him I needed anything. And then I continued having that, well, he does, he didn't ask, so therefore he doesn't love me. And it just spiraled, it would spiral out of control into these erratic, chaotic thoughts. Yeah, I wondered, you know, the sort of basis of intimate relationships, of course, is trust and communication and sharing of these kinds of thoughts. And both of you have expressed that it was really difficult or is difficult when you're in a depression to share how you're really feeling. How do you how do you allow your partners in how do they how can they help you when you're in a depression my husband is a recovering alcoholic and it was shortly after he went into aa that really my depression came full head and and i i about 6 months into his recovery i told him i wanted a divorce and it basically came down to we needed to get couples counseling because I didn't understand his disease and he didn't understand mine. And we had years of, of wounds to heal between us individually and together. And so for us, couples counseling was really what enabled us to communicate better. Um, 
we we do something we call the check-in. So every night when we have dinner or after dinner, we'll just sit down and, you know, touch base with each other, whether it's something about the day or each other's feelings. Our couples counseling also helped him get a better understanding that he can't fix my depression, which was something that always became very aggravating for him. He, he wanted to know why I was sad. He wanted to know what he could do to fix it. And he's kind of gotten to a point where he, he knows he can't fix it. And he knows that sometimes all I just need is a hug or I just do need really to curl up and be alone. And, and he just allows me to do whatever needs I need, um, to get through that. Eva, did you have ever get to sort of a breakthrough conversation with your partner about what you are trying to explain to him, what you suffered from and how he could or could not help? Well, it's funny because in the article, the first kind of scene that I set up is when he actually wanted us to become official. The first thing I said is I have depression kind of like as this, this warning, which is really funny because that's not the first thing you would think of telling someone when they say, Oh, I want to be your boyfriend. But I felt like I had to be upfront about it from the very beginning. And I was, but the communication really didn't get better until things got worse. So I pushed him away a lot. And so finally, one of those times he said, you know, please don't push me away. It really hurts. I don't know how to help you. And I realized that he was really trying to help, but I wasn't giving him away to do that, really. So I started to, little by little, I started to communicate a little bit more about how I was feeling, even if I didn't know, because I, like I mentioned, I didn't start really going into serious counseling. I didn't start medication until about six months ago. So even if I didn't know, I would say, hey, today I really just feel weird. I just want to talk about it. You don't need to come up with a solution, um, but I just want you there. So I just had to be very clear about it. And like Kim mentioned, if I wanted to be alone, I would mention that I needed to be alone. But there was kind of, it was kind of seemed like it was something on my side that I needed to learn how to communicate with him a little bit better. Did you know that the average woman will spend over $10,000 on razors and 72 days shaving in her lifetime? Are you tired of spending all of this time and money in what is also ranked as the most hated beauty ritual? We are too. Good things our friends at Laser Way have us and our bodies covered. As the nation's top laser hair removal and aesthetic experts, Laser Way offers the most advanced cutting-edge technology to offer dramatic and permanent results in just a few treatments. Shave time and not your legs. Get up to 75% off laser services and schedule your free consultation today by going to laserway.com love. That's laserway.com love. What do you think your partners would say? I mean, Eva, why don't we start with you? If we were to pose the question to them, how does the depression impact the relationship? What do you think your boyfriend would say? Well, I always joke that he is infinitely patient and I'm very impatient by nature. So we're polar opposites. So I think that for him, it became kind of just painful to see me going through that, but he never sort of lost his temper about it. He never really demanded to know why I was always so upset. So I think he would say that mostly it's frustrating to see me go through something that he can't necessarily fix, if that makes sense. He's a very practical person. So whenever I tell him I have a problem, you know, he wants to give me the solution that I can do right now or the next day. And I think seeing me in depressive mood sometimes is really hard for him because that's not something that you can say, 
okay, here's what to do. And then, you know, you'll automatically feel better. I think that's really frustrating and sometimes very sad for him to see. And what about you, Kim? What would your husband say? I think Eva really hit the nail on the head as far as frustration. I think my husband was very, very frustrated, um, especially in the beginning when he did not understand. And and now he, he does better understand depression um, and my, my struggles with it, but he'll never completely understand depression, obviously, because he does not have the disease and it's hard to really get a handle on something you don't understand. So I think he's definitely gets frustrated, but he, he also, he's sad because he knows it does, it does hurt me so much. And he, it, much like Eva said, he, he, by nature, my husband wants to fix it. He wants to make me feel better. He, he wants to see a smile on my face and us having a good time. So I, I really, I have to echo exactly what Eva said is very much uh, my own personal experience. Something that um, really stuck out for me from the study I mentioned earlier is 27% of the participants said that their depression had effects on romance and sexual intimacy. And there was a quote in there from a 22-year-old woman who's married, and she said, she was referring to her husband, and she said, quote, he wants to be intimate, and I just want to cry or be alone. I can count on one hand how many times I just had sex with him anyway, because I felt guilty for being so sad. Kim, could you talk a little bit about, you know, libido is something that is greatly impacted by depression. It's one of the classic signs of uh, depression is a loss in of libido. How do you handle that over the course of a long-term relationship and, and dealing with, you know, wanting and, you know, needing to be intimate with someone, but really not feeling able to because of the way the illness is manifesting? Right. Um, if you asked me a couple of years ago before my husband and I were in therapy, I would have sounded exactly like that 22-year-old girl. I would have said there's times I would have just had sex because my husband wanted to and because I wanted to keep that aspect of romance in our relationship. But I was not in, in very invested in it because uh, depression is, of course, affecting my libido. Medication affects your libido. Now, I'm a little bit better at telling my husband, look, I'm just not feeling it tonight. Sometimes I'll explain why or I'll uh, I'll say, you know, I just don't feel so great. In the past, I would sometimes blame it on, oh, I don't feel good. I have a headache. It had to be like a physical illness for why I didn't want to do it. I have a headache. I don't, my stomach hurts. But now I'm a little bit more open with, look, honey, I just don't feel okay tonight. Can Can we can we revisit this maybe tomorrow or something like that? It's it's not the best approach always, um, but, but my husband, I think he gets it more now. It must be hard for him, though. I mean, there must yes, be a feeling of rejection. Yes, and and I think... I, I think that couples with why he, he, the frustration that he would probably express if he was to get on the phone and sit down and say how he's affected by it. Because, of course, then he feels rejected and he feels like it's something he's doing. So, so it's a really it's a really fine line to balance. And early on in our relationship, I, I think I was always so afraid that I would push him away by rejecting things like sex. Or, so I would just have sex to satisfy that need and and. You know, I was the one with a problem in, in my mind. It, uh, my mind's changed greatly since since my diagnosis at fifteen. But I was the one with the problem. So why should I affect? Why should it affect him? Not realizing it was affecting him, regardless. And Eva, has your depression affected your libido? I think maybe it sort of became something that was affected 
just as much as other things. So I feel like when I really started to deal with my depression and go on medication and go to counseling, I really didn't have a lot of energy left for anything, if that makes sense. So that became one of the things. And also, like the 22-year-old mentioned, even romantic activities, I'm usually the planner in the relationship. And I would always say, let's go on date nights. Let's, you know, do something to kind of spice it up or get out of the routine. But I didn't even have the energy to hang out with friends. I didn't even have the energy to even watch Netflix at the end of the day. All I really wanted to do was, you know, go to work and work on counseling, any uh, sort of suggestions I got at counseling. And that was exhausting enough for the day. And then the day became a week, a week became a month. So I definitely think it was one of the things that was affected, but it's kind of just a list of many things that have changed since I've sort of started dealing with the depression a little more head-on. Thanks to Netflix, we're all binge-watching. But now, with Texture, you can start binge-reading. And trust me, it's about to be a thing. The Texture app lets you tap into the world's most popular magazines anytime, anywhere, using your smartphone or tablet. You can breeze through hundreds of your favorite magazines, including back issues, and pick the articles that interest you most. Texture has made it easy to find articles you care about. I don't just get to read real simple. The Texture editorial team also recommends content for me every day. Start binge reading for free right now when you go to texture.com slash love. Texture.com slash love. As I mentioned in the intro, the study that I referenced talked about there were ways that these couples who were interviewed talked about the depression being something that bonded them with their partner as well as being something that was really difficult. Eva, were there th- are there things that have brought you and your partner together relating to your depression? Do you think it's been a bonding thing in any way? I do think so because I have to be very open about how I feel. For me, at least, there's just no way to only tell him halfway how I feel. So maybe if I wasn't depressed, I would sort of not talk about some of the topics that we've talked about, if that makes some sense. So I have, I dealt with a lot of insecurity about the relationship. And I don't think if I wasn't, if I wasn't depressed, I maybe wouldn't have brought those things up. So there was a night where I got really drunk and I said, you're never going to propose to me. We're never going to get married. And I knew that that was the depression speaking. And I kind of just woke up the next morning and said, I'm sorry, that shouldn't have been the way that we talked about that. So I feel like there are definitely some topics that came up earlier than they would have if I wasn't sort of dealing with depression and going into those kinds of moods. What about you, Kim? How has your depression and you know, you've been in this relationship for a long time. How has it strengthened your marriage? So we definitely communicate more because of my depression. We will talk about most, honestly, there's, there's really very few conversations we shy away from. I will say sometimes when I'm in a depressive mood and I I know I need to talk to him very candidly about it, I do get anxious about having that conversation, even though I know in the end, he's going to be very receptive because it's just the the depression gets the the best of me. But it has definitely uh, been a conduit for communication on both ends. He is better able to communicate his feelings with me now because he's he understands what I'm going through, and he understands that really being in touch with that is is important to to me and and to and to him. 
and I will also add that when it comes to things like we were just talking about our sex life, on the flip side, when I'm not in an oppressive episode, or you know, I feel like it has helped us to embrace those moments even more so. So when I'm not in an oppressive episode, generally things like our sex life are great. We enjoy moments that maybe would have otherwise been not as as Intimate or as yeah, or as appreciated exactly. If we were, if I hadn't been going through something so difficult and so painful, so I think that is a big benefit. I also wonder, Kim. You know, you've written and you mentioned at the beginning of the episode that you went through a very harrowing um, bout of postpartum depression after you had your daughter. I imagine you had to rely on your husband more to take care of the baby and to be more you know, to step up as, as a parent when you were suffering with that. I wondered if that too was a source of bringing you closer together. Absolutely. Absolutely. In the beginning for the first five months, I I didn't confide in my husband that anything was wrong um, until I got the diagnosis. And and the reason was it was my first child. I, I was certain, you know, these are supposed to be the best the best days of your life. And when I wasn't feeling that, I was certain it was not because I had postpartum depression, even though I had a history of mental illness and knew exactly what depression looked like. I was certain it was because I was just a bad mom or I wasn't getting this mom thing. So for, for five months, I really kept all of my struggles very close to the cuff. And then I, when I, I began having suicidal thoughts and I even had a vision at one point of, of smothering my own child. And that was the day I got my husband and I said, this is what's going on. He immediately helped me make an appointment. Got he was taking me, you know, to therapy, taking me to my doctor. He he would take off of work so I could go see a doctor. So yeah, he definitely at that point, once I really brought him into what was going on and brought him into my circle, he really did help step up and and take care of my daughter in ways that I I was wasn't capable of at that time. So it it's also helped me see him. I I mean I know he's an amazing father, but it really helped me see the the value not only of him as a father, but just as my support system. Something you've both described in your writing is how isolating depression can be. And I think that can also feel, it can also feel that way to partners, particularly partners that haven't experienced it themselves and so are a little confused and feel shut out. Um, If you each could offer sort of a piece of advice or some wisdom to people out there whose partners are suffering or have suffered from depression and what they can do to help. Um, what would you offer them, Eva? I think Kim sort of touched on this, but when, at least for me, when I'm dealing with my depression, I do get these thoughts of, oh, it's just because I'm a bad person or I'm a bad girlfriend or I'm not good at this. There's a lot of sort of this inner dialogue over and over of what you're not doing right. And I feel like what helped me a lot, I told my boyfriend kind of jokingly, like, I'm just very stubborn. This depression is very stubborn. So I need you to tell me, you know, I want to listen. You're not crazy. I do love you. Just things that seem very simple, but that I think made a huge difference, especially when we were having those conversations. And I would say things like, Oh, I feel crazy, but, you know, you didn't text me back yesterday, so I figured that you didn't care about me. Are you unhappy about something? You know, do you want to break up or whatever? When I would have those thoughts, you'd say, no, you know, I love you. I'm here for you. You're not crazy. Just things like that make 
such a big difference because you're constantly fighting against that dialogue in your head. So to hear it from someone that you really care about, I think makes a huge difference. And does it sort of break the spell a little bit to hear someone else kind of interfere on those thoughts and say, the reality is I love you. The reality is I'm here. I would imagine that it would be really helpful to have someone break into those thought patterns a bit. It does. And it kind of, for me, hearing someone repeat what I'm thinking. So if I say something like, oh, I'm just being super crazy or I'm just being psycho, he'll say something like, you're not psycho, you're not crazy. And I guess in my brain, I'm kind of thinking, well, why am I saying those things about myself anyway? And here's this person who, you know, really cares about me and really sees my sort of good size and my great qualities. And why can I sort of learn to see those myself? That's kind of been an ongoing conversation and kind of an ongoing battle. And Kim, how about you? What would you say to the partners of of people who are suffering from depression and what should they know? Well, I think in my case, what I find most helpful is I, I've actually asked my husband to check in with me when I don't check in with him. Even though we are supposed to sit down and talk, I've asked him specifically like just say, and some days, sometimes he'll say, how was your day? And to me, uh, that that's completely different from asking, how are you feeling? And I know that sounds like I'm playing with semantics, but a day implies like we're talking about, oh, what did you do today? What events? Whereas how are you feeling really checks in with me. So I've asked my husband to ask me how I'm feeling if I avoid it or I just don't talk about it or I'll be like, oh, I'm okay. Uh, oh, I'm fine. Because when I'm dismissive like that is usually when I really need to talk about it, but I might be shutting down. And I, I, I've asked him to reach out and just kind of give me that extra push. Of course, saying things like, I love you, or I care about you, or just, you know, uh, to Eva's credit, um, parroting back, you know, kind of like, no, you're not crazy. That is really helpful. But for also, I would just say to, I would also say to someone who's a spouse or a boyfriend, girlfriend of someone dealing with depression, it's, it's just as hard for them because it, it, as isolated as I feel by my disease, I know my disease is also isolating and shutting them out. So I'm very empathetic of what my husband goes through. My husband doesn't suffer from depression, but he he is affected by the disease. So I think it's also important that for the spouse or the the individual in the relationship to know what they're capable of handling on their own and, and know what their own limits are. And sometimes that spouse might need to get additional support because it is it is brutal and exhausting for the spouse to sit there. Uh, and having been with mine for 15 years, I'm sure he, he could, you know, explain that it, it is exhausting to sit there and say, no, I love you. And constantly having to justify his love and why his love is enough. I think that's a great point um, about sometimes we forget that the caregivers need support too. what they're, you know, that being on the other end of this isn't a picnic. <laughs> and, um, right. and I think to both of your points, you both talked about your partners being wanting to fix things. A lot of us have that impulse. And if your partner has the flu, you can buy the ginger ale and you can take the temperature and you can mop their brow and feel really useful and let them get rest with something like mental illness and depression. There is no, there's nothing that prescriptive that you can do. And it's, you know, and, and also I think, to speak to your experience, Kim, it's not something that the fever doesn't go away and then you're all better and back to work. It's it's sort of an ongoing, lifelong struggle. 
Yeah, absolutely. I, I couldn't agree with you more. So I, I will say if you're a spouse and you're having difficulty um, coming to terms with that, I mean, definitely there, there's tons of support for you out there, whether it be therapy or group therapy or even just resources on how to handle a a significant other with depression. I think that's a, a really important thing because you can wear yourself out and, and get into your own head dealing with this. And I, I think that's something that just as there's no shame in having a mental illness, I think there's no shame. And if you're, if you're a caregiver, knowing that you might need to get help in care, caring for someone dealing with a mental illness. Eva Racinos and Kim Zapata, I want to thank you so much for being on The Labor of Love today. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you for having me. Thanks so much for joining me today on The Labor of Love. Email me questions, comments, suggestions for topics, and guests at tlolpodcast at gmail.com. I'd like to thank our producer, Kristen Meinzer, and our engineer, Tim Einenkel. If you enjoyed the episode, please review and subscribe on iTunes, where you'll also find more podcasts from Real Simple. You can subscribe to The Labor of Love at itunes.com slash panoply or at panoply.fm. I'm Lori Leibovich, and I'll see you next time on The Labor of Love. Thank you.